0: Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Joe to Joe, the podcast where I, Joe Stone, dive into the experiences of other veterans, or other Joes, if you will. Plus, we'll get first-hand knowledge from advocates and hear from family members and other supporters of the veteran community. So this podcast is actually a spinoff of my other show, The Veteran Podcast, where I run through the week's veteran-related news in under 10 minutes. Originally, I was planning on doing interviews with that show and even recorded a few, but they never made it in there. I wanted to keep that show more focused on the information and decided that I do interviews here. In this first episode, I'm dipping into the archive and I'm pulling on an interview I did with Annette Wittenberger that I never got around to publishing. Sorry, Annette. Annette's great. She's a powerhouse and a force to be reckoned with. She's a retired U.S. Army major, military spouse, mother, and a business owner. She spends a great deal of time in what seems like boundless energy advocating for those suffering from depression anxiety and post-traumatic stress she's also a motivational speaker fellow podcaster and volunteers her time with a number of different organizations thanks so we've talked. we've known each other for a couple years now and you've been doing a number of different things doing a lot of volunteering you had your own company tell me what kind of stuff are you doing now
1: So, ever since you helped me launch my website, uh, it's been two, yeah, over two years now, I've really dedicated my time into helping people share their story and to end the stigma on mental health, because I know how it feels to not feel like you have that space to just speak your truth, to talk about what you're feeling for fear of being judged, and just, you know... Just the whole ugly stigma, just being looked at differently, losing friends, all that stuff. So I've really been pouring my heart into that. So I, I on the blog, and later we could talk about the podcast, but really just getting out there, sharing my own story to help other people know that they're not alone.
0: I know you've had a lot of life experiences before this would kind of lead to this point. A good portion of that was you, you serving in the military in the army a profession for women specifically is 17% of the workforce is females. So you're already in a very small minority. So your experience is compared to to most people in the military is vastly different. So I kind of want to talk briefly about your military service and how that kind of led you to work at what you're doing right now. First off, how, how long are you, how long were you in the army for?
1: 17 years, four months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How many days, hours, and minutes?
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, I've got that written somewhere.
0: (laughs) that's kind of common <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh how, where, what kind of places have you served at 17 years that takes you a lot of places where have you been
1: uh, germany texas twice on both ends fort hood texas and then el paso texas uh, fort bliss um missouri kansas and now virginia
0: oh okay you've gotten around any uh any time spent overseas
1: Yes. Germany was my first place. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I went to Afghanistan and Iraq.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I should, I should have been more specific on that question. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> um, that's a lot of experience, a lot of different places, a lot of, a lot of different people you've, you've probably dealt with. What is the best thing you think you've gotten from military service? What was the most unique thing that it's kind of had a lasting impression on you?
1: You know, with all the things that have happened and all the sacrifices we make and with family and just your own personal development, I really feel that it's helped me become who I am. I I used to be a really shy person. Um, And I was more like a, a yes, yes person. And I've learned how to say no. I've learned how to set boundaries. I've learned how to really find out the person that I am, even with all the struggles, hardships, obstacles. So I, you know, learning from different leaders, learning from soldiers, learning from everybody that I've worked with, all of that, I learned something new from each one of them. And so I think that's what's helped me find, yeah, find the person that I am today. Cause you were, you were an officer, right? I was. Yes.
0: Oh, that's right. What was your rank <laughs> when you got out? A major major. Yes. Sounds like a major pain. (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) What was your last duty assignment? Were you an XO or something?
1: I was actually working in the the division, JRTC at Fort Polk, Louisiana, and I worked in the G3 shop. So I I was in charge of uh, training and, you know, making sure we got all that done for our soldiers before they deployed out. Uh, little staff jobs. Love those. Yes. <laughs> I had some
0: experiences like that. As I got out to the same sort of thing. So we talked about some of the good things about your service. What was the worst? If you did just point to one thing, what was the worst part about serving?
1: Losing soldiers different in different ways was hard for me to see. I, I did, um, have a soldier that used to be under my command and he i i I didn't see the signs i didn't you know i didn't see anything because this was 2005 six and he committed suicide and i think that really that really hurt and you know later on and i just you know we don't really talk about that it's kind of like um you just you just kind of have to drive on uh, but later on when i deployed to afghanistan and s- based off of our mission and based off of what i did i was behind the scenes so i um was there when you know we would keep losing soldiers um out there in the not the field, but out there on the mission. And I think that's what it really took a toll on me. Um, after that. So all of that combined and holding it in for so many years, um, that could, yeah, I could break somebody.
0: No, I can, yeah, no, I can totally imagine. I just (laughs) completely understand. Yes. Uh, Um, even with all that, is there anything, anything you miss about being in?
1: You know, I I really miss my soldiers. I I loved being, I was able to, I was given the opportunity to be a company commander for almost two years. And for that, for my branch was like unheard of. You don't, that was rare. So I felt like it was, it was such a blessing to do that, but being with them and, and they were like my kids, my family and having that camaraderie and that learning from them, and being their leader, that was, God, that was huge. And and I'll never forget it. And I still keep in contact with some of my soldiers from back then. And it just really, just, it really touches my heart. I, I'm just, I, I loved it. I miss that. I miss being around soldiers so much.
0: It, it's interesting, especially from a leadership position that you have such a huge impact on people I mean, and it goes both ways. I mean, the impact, I mean, you have an impact on, on their lives, of course, because you, you have you're in a command position or a position of authority, but it goes both ways I and mean, you get it from the other end too. You can see how, how they grow and I don't know. It's, it's a definitely a very rewarding thing for sure. I t- completely agree with that. Yeah. But my, my, experience, of course, is from the enlisted side, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely the one thing I miss the most too, probably is just being on lead soldiers and um, having that sort of camaraderie, kind of a second, second family. Yes,
1: exactly.
0: Uh, so getting out, speaking of that, so after leaving the service, one of the, one of the biggest issues that uh, we always hear talked about is reintegration. And it's a big, huge subject all in itself and um, so many different things that go into that. What, what is, in your opinion, what is the, the most common struggle you've seen amongst other veterans that you've known?
1: It's the mental health aspect. You're not mentally ready to get out. It's because you spent so much time, whether it was five years, ten years, twenty years, getting out. We were taught it was about getting a job. Okay, what are you going to do next? And then um, the resume, and it's it's all those stressors of that. But nobody thinks about being mentally prepared. And it doesn't apply to everybody because there are people who are like, I can't wait to get out. I am so ready. But then you know, you're you're so worried about the, the job aspect on what to do next. You forget about, oh my God, like who am I after this? You feel like you lost your identity. You feel like you're you're completely personal because I'm no longer Major Wittenberger. I'm just Annette and it's weird, you know? And so you don't, you don't think about, we just, we forget about that part. So when you're out and you're sitting at home and you're waiting for your next job or interview or whatever, you're, you're kind of trying to figure out who you are now
0: out of uniform. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you had your own kind of personal struggles with this too.
1: Oh yeah. I, I mean, I didn't realize I had some stuff, you know, when I was a kid that I suppressed for so many years, but then as I was, trying to transition out I only have six months to get out so that was just like holy shit I, I, <laughs> what am I, what am I gonna do i I think everything came down at that moment as I was getting out everything started coming out and I didn't know what it was because you didn't talk about it i was I was diagnosed with depression I have PTSD I have anxiety it's like where did this come from I didn't it but I think I always kind of knew but we just didn't say anything because you had to be tough you know you weren't you don't let them see you sweat was what I always remember. And you have to be strong and there's no crying. And there's, and especially as a female well, and I think now, even with, with males too, they, they deal with their, their own of being the male the authority figure and being strong and tough. But hmm. I think for both of us, it's, you try so hard to be this person. And then when you get out, you kind of lose it because you're not that person anymore you're somebody different so it's i had to figure out who i was again and it took me a long time
0: yeah i can see that for sure i mean it's definitely trying to reinvent yourself and and being comfortable with who you are and and losing that identity with the military it's tough for sure to move on from that like um are are there things you found that helped with that moving from moving on from that point and, and finding yourself again and just a new community?
1: You know, once I, once I launched the website, and once I started writing on there, there was no turning back because as soon as we had published, that was it. And it was terrifying because <laughs> then it was like, Oh, anybody can read this now. Everybody's going to find out my family didn't know my kids didn't really know. Nobody knew what I was going through, but now the whole world did. So I think once I got, I did that, it was like, whew, shit. Okay. And then I started talking to strangers that were like, thank you for saying this. Or thank you for saying that. Thank you for mm-hmm. being vulnerable. And I never really expected any of that. Cause it was, I was scared, but now I'm no longer afraid anymore. Like I, I'm an open book because I don't, I'm not afraid of telling you what I went through because I'm here. I'm still alive and I've gone through all the dark, the dark places and the, you know, the suicidal ideations attempts and all that stuff. I'm not scared anymore. And I really feel now that I'm here for a reason and I'm want to help other people find their reason as well.
0: How has this affected? I mean, you've had your, you obviously had your own struggles. I mean, and, and, uh, that's got to affect the people around you. Has I mean, before you you launched the website before everybody knew about it? How did this? How did your experiences with this depression and PTSD and all that stuff? How did that affect your family?
1: Oh man, I I never really I never realized how much it affected my kids until they started bringing up little bits and pieces of things that had happened years prior when I was going through my depressive episodes and I would lock myself in the house or in my room. I never realized how much that took from my kids. And so once my daughter told me, you know, you ruined my 10th birthday because you locked yourself in the house or mom, I used to think you were bipolar because I didn't know what was going on with you. And I would have these rages. And I, and and I think back at that, Back at all the stuff I put my kids through and it it just it breaks my heart but so now I'm in this place to where I'm able to sit down with them and my son knows what I do you know I tell my daughter what I do when she reads my blogs or she she reads my Instagram posts because now we're all comfortable knowing that okay mom did go through her thing but now she's getting better and now she's trying to help other people through it as well so it I mean it from the age of 10 and she's 19 now. So mm-hmm. 9 years for her and I to be able to talk openly about things. So it was hard.
0: Yeah, no I I've had my own experiences of that too so yeah. I can totally relate to that. Um, <laughs> no it's it's man it's so hard to deal with it is especially I mean looking back and it, it, my kids have done the same thing too. I mean I I've I've written about it. Um, they've read my story, uh, same sort of thing. And it just, it helps them understand and and realize that, you know, I guess, you you know, you weren't trying to be, you know, horrible or distant or anything like that. It's just, there's nothing you could, you could really do about it, I guess.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah. yeah, I've definitely had it happen a few times. Um, but they've all been pretty understanding now going forward. because they understand why. And we're more open to talking about it. So that's good. I'm glad you, you found that. Um, are there any sort of other tools you found that, that helped with, with those things?
1: You know, writing really helps me. I um, have learned for me that it's okay to not be okay. That it's okay to, I mean, there's days where I don't do anything and then there's days where I'm all in and I'm behind the computer and I'm working hard, but it's okay and I used to be so hard on myself and be like, you know what? You're sucking today. What is wrong with you? But I needed it. I, I, we have to step away sometimes. And I have to listen to music. And I'll put on my Spotify playlist or I'll sit and binge watch a Netflix series and, because I needed to do that. And then I'll get back into it because I remind myself, okay, I'm not going to do it today, but tomorrow I'm, I'm all in. So I try to tell people that it's okay. To feel like that, you just got to remember to get back into it the next day or the next two days, whatever the case is, don't lose that motivation. Take your minute, take your day, but get back into it after that. And so that's what, that's what helps me music, Netflix, (laughs) um, writing, talking to people, especially now during this time, um, I love just either you text somebody or you message somebody and you guys, you know, you get back and you have that conversation and then you feel better because you're not the only one who's feeling, the feeling like, like crap. Um, and then you, you know, you get back into it. So that's what helps me.
0: And have you had any experience with, um, I don't know, with using like the VA or, or veteran service organizations to with, with these, have you had any experience with that at all?
1: You know when I first moved here a year and a half ago, <laughs> yes, the v a is always um there's always difficulties um but I found the Stephen A Cohen Foundation, and they provide services and I found them to be amazing if you can't get into the v a go there because. I haven't had no issues with them. They're always available. They will find a way you could do telehealth. You could do it via the computer. If you don't want to go in, it's just, that's my option now when I can't get to the VA. So for anybody, if you can't get to the VA, go there.
0: You said there's a Stephen A. Cowan foundation.
1: Cohen C-O-H-E-N. Cohen. Yes. They, they help all military families, yeah. veterans, I'll yes. definitely look into that. Yes.
0: Would you be willing to talk about some of your experiences that um, military or otherwise that kind of brought you to this point? I, I mean, I don't want to dig too far into the weeds, I guess, but we've all had some stuff that's impacted us, you know, from the past and, and kind of drove what we've done in the, you know, in the present and going on in the future. What, what are some of the more, uh, I don't know, I guess traumatic things that that kind of led you to this point that, that kind of fed into those, uh, the PTSD and anxiety and all that stuff. If you're, if you want to talk about it.
1: Oh, I'll talk about anything. I'm okay now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So military wise, um, I was assaulted uh, twice in the military. Um, Once when I was a cadet. So when I was doing training through my, my university, I was given the opportunity to go overseas to train with an airborne unit. Um, I was tricked because they said, do you want to go to airborne school or do you want to go to Italy? And I was like, shit, (laughs) Italy. (laughs) 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 So I went to Italy, but the unit I was with was doing training in Germany. So we went to Germany instead. So I got to spend my first time in Grafenbeer as a cadet and, um, I was a new girl. I was they called us dot because we wore these little circles as our rank because we weren't really fully commissioned. Yeah. And um so I was a I was a new girl and um, you know, I didn't know any better. And I, I mean I would I don't wanna I'm not I wasn't that naive, but in the military I was because I was twenty two. But um I had a male uh, soldier who you know thought well yeah you know let's go travel let's go since you're new here let's go do this mm-hmm. let's go do that and I did but I realized that you know he was going to expect more so um when I went through that experience I immediately freaked out and I spoke to my it was a first lieutenant that I was shadowing and I said I want to go home and I told him what happened and luckily he believed me and I didn't take it any further because I wanted to get out of there I was so terrified I didn't press I didn't do anything, I didn't press charges or anything I just wanted to leave so I left training two weeks early to get back to the, to the States but I, I had to go through Germany I had a um I had a senior leader that was there and um I thought well you know maybe I could talk to him about what just happened because I was still traumatized about it and um he took advantage of that as well so it was like one right after the other and wow I um I didn't I, I didn't know what to do so I went back home um went back to my university and I and I if I can remember correctly, I believe I tried to talk about it. I tried to tell somebody, but it was a, well, he was the Sergeant Major. He's not going to, he wouldn't have done that. So, yeah, that's a, that's, yeah. <laughs> so I just, I loved it. I loved it and I had to drive on. And, Ever since then, it it was always in the back of my mind, but I kind of just blacked it out for so many years, but it really affected how I worked with other men in leadership for the rest of my time. There were, I had excellent male leadership, I did, but I was always like, oh man, I was scared, so I always, I don't know, it's, it just affected my time. I yeah
0: (laughs) i could see that's that's a really poor way to start off your military (laughs) career and like have that hanging over your head for i mean honestly i'm I'm honestly i'm I'm honestly surprised that you stuck with it for so long i mean
1: you know I i felt like i had to prove myself honestly because i my whole intent was i was gonna do three years and get out like Mm -hmm. i'll just try it i'm just gonna try it out we're going to see. Nobody, nobody could believe that Annette was joining the military. So, um, I met my husband my senior year of college and I almost just followed him because I had no idea what I was going to do. I was like, I guess I'll just do it. So he did another year. I did another year and that's just how it went. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah. And so I think I just felt like I, had to prove myself. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just continue to do it. And until, you know, until you get out, you're like, Oh my God, how did I do that? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah. I could, I could see that. The, man. That's so you've, you've known your husband since college.
1: I have. Yeah. That's amazing. 22 years. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> oh, it's been hard. That's a whole other episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's fine. <funny. laughs> Have how, how was your as coming from a leadership position? I'm going to kind of jump back into that. With with the struggles you had, how has that affected the way you treated those under your command or that you were, you know, over, overseeing? Did you ever you know, run in that situation again, like a similar situation but with, with a subordinate?
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. But I was lucky enough to have a good first sergeant or a mm-hmm. good sergeant major. So I was able to focus on why I was there. You know, I, I was, and I had to be reminded, man, you're the commander. You got to tell them what to do. And I'm like, okay. And so the nice in that, um, the wasn't always nice. So when I actually had to get out there and voice my reminder that I was the commander, then they were like, Oh shit. She, <laughs> she's serious. Cause that didn't happen. I was always too nice. But when, when, when it needed to happen, I got out there and and I said some words. And so that's what it changed, but I had to, I had to learn how to earn that respect. Yeah. And so it was tough.
0: Did you think that the the previous traumas or whatever that you had that helped you uh, deal with problems with your own soldiers differently, like give you a different um, perspective, I guess?
1: Yeah, it did. Um, if it you know it. It's hard. I, it, you know I was like the well, it's like being a mom. It's like goodbye, good cop, good cop, bad cop with between me and the f- first sergeant. So, and, and that was difficult because I always wanted to be like, oh, it's okay, but no, I couldn't. I had to be tough. But I gave me, I was able to see things differently, and I was able to hear them and protect them and do what I had to do if those situations arose and it was all a learning experience. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm so grateful for my NCOs. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know,
0: I think it's, it's funny is the, the military, they, they pride themselves on leadership and, and stuff like that. But it it's amazing that it's a functioning organization because I mean, everyone's like new to whatever they're doing and everyone's just kind of muddling through it and making stuff up as they go. And it's just, it's incredible.
1: <laughs> it, it really is.
0: <laughs> I feel like my my 15 years was kind of the same thing. It was just trying to figure it out as we went along, and just there was always a new problem. So there's something that never, you know, you could kind of go back to the, the regs and FMs and, and figure out maybe there's a, you know, a, a a concrete way of doing things, but it was never that case. You always had to kind of muddle through it and figure it out on your own.
1: Well, exactly. That's the thing. You know, everybody wanted to go by the manual. You can't always go by the manual or the regulation because there's so many different cases out there that's not written in the book. It's like being a parent. There's no book out there that tells you exactly what to do. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a case by case basis.
0: Yeah, no, it's definitely a framework (laughs) for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Yeah. Don't miss that. <clears throat> so i mean so you're talking about all your all your service how was your time in in you said you went to afghanistan right yes what else did you say you, said you went to iraq
1: too is that right yes iraq
0: how were how those two experiences for you
1: iraq was that was nerve-wracking because i was a commander so i took command and oh. you know four or six months later i was taking it all these soldiers overseas and it was like oh my god it was exciting but nerve-wracking at the same time because you look at you see their parents some of their parents that come to you know um not the manifest side, but they come to the the unit to see them goodbye and i'm like oh my god i'm responsible for all these kids and um but when we went over there You know, there's always different situations. We had homesick soldiers or, you know, worried about their family back home. And so that's hard to to deal with because you have to sit there and you have to get them in that mind right set to continue the mission. And we, I mean, I did. I had a soldier that just, he was so worried about home because he had just gotten married. His poor baby just got married. And he didn't want to go on a mission because he wasn't in the right mindset. But it's just so hard. It is so hard because you want them, you want to take them aside and go, okay, it's okay. Take a break, but you can't, we don't have time for breaks there. It's 24 yeah. seven and you have to do it. But I, I tried to go on as many missions as I could with my soldiers on convoys. I always tried to be in the talk when they would leave because I would be worried and I wanted to see where they were. And when they came back, and so it was like nonstop, but mm-hmm. it was, it was very, like I I will always be honored to have had that opportunity to be there with them. And I, you know, I didn't lose anybody. I didn't lose any equipment. Thank you, Lord. Um, it was like, I, I I did, I had the best group of people that made it successful for, for all of us. So I, I, leaving my kids at ages three and five was very difficult because my, I deployed first, then my husband deployed six months later. So they had both Mm -hmm. parents gone within a six month period and so that that was hard but um you know luckily my mom she was able to watch the kids and luckily i had the iraqi cell phone so um (laughs) i was able to call when i had minutes and all the you know technology i was i was grateful for that because not many soldiers get that yeah so i think that's what helped
0: for sure. I don't think I had that opportunity until later on in my career going back the second time. Yeah, and see, I had this stuff available. I was like, what a cell phone? Seriously? I I mean, we just stand on top of a Hesco basket to freaking like get a reception, but I mean it was, it was something. So <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> what was uh <laughs> what was Afghanistan like? Because you were you were in a, uh, you were were you working for division at the time?
1: I was so I um that one was a harder one. I actually I was a rear D uh S3. And so I don't know why my crazy self I um I volunteered to go because I felt like I wanted to do more. Now don't get me wrong, rear D is a monster in itself. That's a whole different mission. Oh, yeah. That's that's almost as hard. Um, because being rear D I also had to do casualty assistance and casualty notification. So that's a whole other, I'm surprised. I, yeah. So I, <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. And so I said, I, I, I want to go forward. And so my commander found me a position. I went forward and that was, that was hard because like I mentioned before, I was behind the scene. So I knew most of what our soldiers were doing. I know where they were located and I knew when a mission went wrong. And so, um, all of that just, it just killed me. It was like, I don't know how to deal with it. I I had a soldier who lost her husband there and, you know, I see her now living her life and I think about her all the time, but it just, it breaks my heart because, you Know, I it's just yeah, it, that was that was that was a hard one. We lost 30 soldiers, and that was will oh. forever be in my in the back of my mind. What uh, what year was that, or years 2008, 2009?
0: Okay, I was there a little bit earlier, like was it 06, 07? Oh. Something like that, but. No, Afghanistan is a completely different animal compared to Iraq. It sure was, is. I mean, not just geography-wise, but I mean, like, just the, the mission in general. It seemed like the, the whole thing was just so different. Like yes. It was more more combat, more direct action stuff, and not just getting ambushed all the time like you were in Iraq and not being able to do anything. So yeah. No, I remember how that felt. Um, so let's go, ahead and, let's go ahead and bring this thing back around to what you're doing now and how all this stuff kind of feeds back in. Um, so you do a lot of different things for not just yourself, but you also volunteer in a number of different organizations. You're, you, you speak for things, you speak for people, at people, with people. And is, is it all sort of veteran and uh, military related?
1: You know, in the beginning it was, but I've had normal day-to-day people reach out to me as well that need to talk because they've experienced somebody in their family that's gone through depression or, or suicide. And so now it's I it's open up to not just veterans and military families and their kids, but it's the person across the street because it's not not, vet, not just veterans that go through depression. It's anybody, and that's what it's turned out to. And now I, I'm trying to share that message that it could happen to anybody, affects everybody, and we all kind of found our little our tribe of people who understand because I know how hard it is to try and go find a therapist, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever when you they don't really understand that part and so you find someone else has gone through it and it's almost like oh yes thank god there's someone else who understands so not that i'm not saying don't find a therapist because i mean i have my own but there are people out there that also get it that you can reach out to so that's that's what i've been trying to do i was looking at your education too you have
0: some experience in, in psychology how has that helped you with this
1: it's it has helped me talk to people um and understand them a little bit better okay. especially now that i'm feel that i'm in my in that space to where i i'm more open um because it you know like it, it took me many years to to be able to talk so openly about my life so i think that that has helped me be able to do that
0: okay what what are the, what are some of the organizations you work
1: with? The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. We have a local trauma survivors network here in Fairfax, Virginia, um, and the Joshua York Legacy Foundation. Um, those are the top three right now.
0: Okay, I've. Um, I also saw that you also get. Let me see here. So yeah, I mean, you have your you have your your blog, your podcast, all that stuff, and you're getting uh, sponsorships and stuff like that. Tell me about that. How did you get it? How did you get into that, get into
1: that? Get that going. So I had to really put myself out there. Um, I wanted to find a way to spread the message more, and by getting mm-hmm. a sponsor to help me um, get on different or more platforms it's given this it's given us more of an opportunity to share more stories so between the the podcast and the blog now um it has grown into way so much more than where it was three years ago but even with the podcast just starting in October you know I didn't and never really knew where that was going to go. I was like, I want to start a podcast and I'm going to do it tomorrow. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, I don't know if anyone's going to want to talk on it because it's such a deep and personal podcast. But I'm really surprised at the, um, the amount of responses I received because mm-hmm. it's giving people that, that platform, that space to, to talk without being judged. And so you know, I, one day I was like, I'm, I, I I'm looking for a sponsor. And then they responded. It was like, okay, what do you want? What do you need? And I told them and he said, well, let's, you know, let's talk about it. And then it, it just became one. So I would love, you know, of course we always would love more because we want this to expand. I want to go international and I want to do so many things. It's just, it's just hard sometimes to pitch yourself because, we're afraid, but you know, we just we almost kind of just have to say it. Just press record, or or just go on there and just say it. Just spit it out, yep. and it helps, but it's scary. No, for sure,
0: I completely <laughs> agree. <laughs> um, so going forward here, how how can people get a hold of you?
1: They can find me on a wild ride call life.com or a wild ride call life at gmail.com. And I'm basically on every social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook. Okay. Over.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Um, We're going to go and kind of wrap this up. Do you have any sort of final words you want, anything else you want to talk about before we kind of come to an end here?
1: I think for those people that are listening that are struggling, I'm just gonna reiterate that it's okay to not be okay. And also the other mantra I live by is your mess is your message. So once once you get in that space that you are comfortable to talk, take turn that try to turn that into a positive thing. Because that's what I've tried to do now is yes, I went through all this this hell throughout my life, but now I'm turning it into a message to help other people. So it, and it's, it didn't happen overnight. So once you are able to get in that, just reach out. And I'm always happy to help somebody get their message out and share their story.
0: You've been listening to Joe to Joe with my guest, U.S. Army veteran Annette Wittenberger. If you want to learn more about Annette, check out her website at com. It's all one word, a wild ride called life.com. On our next episode, we'll be talking with Mike Parker, a former military policeman, CID agent, and now U.S. Army investigator for Trial Defense Services. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. And of course, don't forget to leave a review on either Apple Podcasts or Podchaser.com. To learn more about this podcast and others on our network, please visit www.theveteranpodcast.com. We'll see you next time.